Hello, fellow romancers of the documentary. It is I, your host, Bob Sham, with another creeptastic episode of The Documenteers, a podcast where we talk about documentaries, where we rate them and inscribe them to the end of time. Boy, we got a lot to cover on this one today, folks, because we are talking about a film directed by Sean Donnelly. And this film came out about 10 years ago, and it's about Super Tiffany Stalker fans, two in particular. Akil and I discussed the film, I think we're alone now. Not to be confused with an upcoming Peter Dinklage movie. And this movie kind of closes out our summer of the rock doc. It's not really a rock doc, but about the obsession that surrounds musical fame. And so, yeah, we I think we dropped, well, we did a Hino, Iron Maiden, three decline movies all three of them the you which i felt like was a very musical movie and this one so that's over half the summer of some musical ass documentaries i talk a lot about this song i think we're alone now which doesn't have that much to do with the movie and this movie let me tell you if you haven't seen it you should watch it you really should you can find it on youtube make sure you put in documentary when you search for it and it's also streamable on amazon prime what this documentary manages to capture is something that truly only a documentary can capture. This is the kind of thing that it takes a documentary to show. And I don't think you'll forget it. There's a lot of laughing. And I think in response to maybe uh, an overall discomfort, because this movie is fairly disturbed, but but we don't mean no harm. And uh, if anyone is suffering from any mental troubles, then... We definitely support anybody getting the help that they need in the world. Also, there's a lot of discussion about the song itself. I think we're alone now. Kind of an intro that went on too long. And at the very end of this episode, at the end bumper, like I always do, after the outro film reel plays out, is my own version of I think we're alone now. I think I might have actually made some weird vaporwave track, but... My wife described it as, at first she thought it was very interesting, and then by the end she was both sad and nauseous. So if you can sit through that, that's waiting for you at the very end. Please give us five stars and a quick review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Many have, and we love them hard. But if you do that, if you give us five stars and a review on iTunes, that helps iTunes spread the documenteer's love to people who might be into this type of a film podcast. Also, you can contact me personally at documenterspodcast at gmail.com, at documenteers on social media. And boy, there's a, there's a lot going on. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I always do forget something. Oh, of course, we are approaching this September. It will be because Werner Herzog was born on September 3rd. We're making September Herzog month. All Werner Herzog films. And it starts... Next week, where Angela and I discuss Into the Abyss, the one where he talks to people on death row, and it's got one of my favorite Werner Herzog quotes in it. And we will be running Werner Herzog movies for all of September. I am so excited. He's our demigod, and we haven't uh, we haven't done any of his movies yet, and now we're going to hit a lot week to week to week. And then, of course, October comes. Huh, need to be looking into some creepy documentaries and the holidays are coming and yeah there is a thanksgiving documentary and there are a few christmas documentaries though 
Though I've got complicated feelings on Christmas. But fuck, I'm taking too long. Let's get into this movie. I think we're alone now. Directed by Sean Donnelly. Keep on docking. Now, here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet. 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. Tiffany and I have uh, known each other most of her life, and uh, we are in love with each other, and uh, she's a great singer. Akil, welcome to the Shamco Studios. Aren't you excited to tackle this special, special film? I'm so excited that I might soil myself. What a fun movie this is. <laughs> what a joy. What a life-affirming piece of cinema we got on our hands here. <laughs> I tell you, though, for no other reason, truly, than me punishing myself, I've been on this trip where... Basically, for two nights, I've done hours worth of research on the song, I Think We're Alone Now. Wow. To, to the point where, like, I'm looking at covers, and I think we're that's what this movie is called. And it's not this Peter Dinklage post-apocalyptic movie that's coming out Yeah, next what's month. up with that? I, 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 when I typed that into YouTube, and that's what's coming Peter up. Dinklage popped up, I was like, this isn't, this isn't what he's talking so about. So this is going to be very interesting when people tune in. It's like, what? You, what? That's not a documentary. Does the song have anything to do with that movie? Well, because it's a post-apocalyptic movie, I think he's alone, and then someone comes along. And yeah, that sci-fi trope, I guess. I like Peter Dinklage, but... Yeah, I haven't seen the trailer. Does he talk in his... Uh, his deep uh, Avengers Infinity he talk voice. Well, he talks like Jeff Turner does, and... The in the movie we're going to talk about where he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no talking about good. <laughs> I wish people could see the face you make. You do that the once. contortions <laughs> that's happening. Yeah, but this movie we're talking about is called I Think We're Alone Now. It's a documentary that came out, I think it was like 2008, 2009, directed by Sean Donnelly. And it's about two extreme super fans i will say i don't say extreme lightly no of the the mid 80s pop sensation tiffany who had the big hit singing the song i think we're alone now which was a song that was written by richie cordell and was originally sung by are you asking me i thought you knew i have no i know this i know the song but i've never had any idea who actually did it originally tommy james and the shondells oh okay. who did crimson and clover yeah, yeah. the original money money infectious songs that uh, yeah, tommy absolutely. james this movie it's called i think we're alone now because tiffany had that big hit and he's Two people in the movie are obsessed with Tiffany. The The song itself doesn't really play much of a role at all. But I still got very in a hole just looking up things about this song. So we got like, uh, like here's, I'll play a little bit of the original here for funsies. Because we're going to go into a weird dark hole when we discuss this movie. And we're just going to, let's lighten things up off the top and talk about this song. Because we are in the summer of rock dogs. Over half the summer has been devoted to rock dogs. And this movie, I think, is going to close out the summer. Even though it's not technically a rock doc, it's about the obsession 
of a musician. I'm so honored to be the the co-host for closing it out and the fact that it's about Tiffany. It's not really about Tiffany, but yeah, are you a fan of Tiffany? I'm actually more of a Debbie Gibson person, but uh, you know, I got I got some love. For Tiffany. Is there a line in the sand between Debbie Gibson fans well, and Debbie, Tiffany fans? Debbie, uh, well, yeah, there is. <laughs> Debbie Gibson wrote her own songs. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. Tiffany Darwish, Tiffany Renee Darwish. Thanks Darwish. to Jeff Turner. Who... Thanks to Jeff Turner because I never actually knew how to pronounce that last name correctly <laughs> until I heard him say it repeatedly. She's like half Lebanese. I found that out on a I site called Arab American. Not that you yeah. say it, I can actually see it. Oh, like an Irish mother and I think a Lebanese father. I do think that Tiffany's hotter than Debbie Gibson. I will say. She is a, even like older. Yeah, Tiffany. It's like wow, you're very pretty. You know, I expected Tiffany to show up in this movie. I've seen this movie before. And I was a little confused. I was like, are they going to do the Tiffany interview? And then I realized that I got this mixed up with an episode of Celebrity Wife Swap. Where I remember I, that. Where Tiffany was on it. Yeah. And she lives, last I checked, she lives she in here. Nashville. Yeah, yeah. Nashville, Tennessee. She had a boutique over in Five Points, which for those who don't know, Five Points is sort of a hot spot in Nashville. But it closed not too long ago. It shut down. What was it called? I think we're alone now. Tiffany's. No, wait. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I think she probably would have gotten in trouble if she'd done that. I can't remember the name of it, but it was something. It may have just been Tiffany's Boutique. Very much like a, uh, what's that place that's over in uh, Hillsborough Village? Handcrafted sort of jewelry and funky vintage dresses and just the kind of shit you see at one of a kind. Clothing yeah. stores. Anyone listening to this who's thinking about moving to Nashville, don't. Yeah. Just don't come. See, we had this vote to... Uh add infrastructure to the city and only 15 percent of the people showed up to give a fuck so there's like wall-to-wall -wall traffic it's a cool town and people really love it here but guess what it's really fucking hard to drive in it now and we have a shitty public transportation system buses will not go to every part of the metropolitan area particularly the places where people who can't afford to live in the inner metropolitan area don't like i said that's like a different <laughs> podcast <laughs> Anyway, let's lighten it up before yeah, we let's, get let's do that. Let's do that. Till we go into the Tiffany Hole of Darkness here. Let's listen to the original Tommy James and the Shondells. I think we're alone now. So we're yeah, that's a good song. It is. catchy i love the earlier versions because it plays straight the heartbeat yeah like i said i went through hours just looking up covers of i think we're alone now do you mean like some rando person sitting in their living room on YouTube. I got a couple playing. of those okay. examples, but I didn't go deep into that hole. I have 19 different versions. Wow. That version, the original came out in 1967. And in 1968, a band called Gary Lewis and the Playboys put out a version. Children behave. That's what they say when we're together. Cello? Yeah, I think it, it started out with a cello there, and then a lot more like... Watch how you play. It don't 
don't understand. And so we're raw beats, like yeah. thumps there. That I think the Tommy James version sounds better. Yeah, I'm still digging the, the original more. And, and here's another version. I think this also, I don't have an exact date on this. This was taken off of 45 by this band called the Wildcats. Running just as fast as we can. Those vocals, they kind of go in and out for me, but there's something charming about that version. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about the phrasing. Definitely very different. Now, this next one, uh, 1977. I jumped from the 60s to 1977. Please tell me this is like a funky, like Bootsy Collins version. I found zero versions of this song by black performers. Really? I th this song is designed to make like white girls happy. Yeah, that's true. And it worked. Also designed to make like white guys sound cool. Yeah, that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sensitive. <laughs> Look at all my frills. <laughs> but here's another version by a band called the Rubenus, who are a band on uh, the Berserkly label, which was the same label that uh, Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers was on, who sang Roadrunner. But uh, this is one of my favorite versions right here. I dig that one. I, I like the drums on that. The harmonies are really good. I think we're alone now. The beating of our hearts is the only sound. It's like a pure power pop song, and yeah. I think it's a good homage to the original as well. And now we get it's to... Very, it's got like a Partridge Family vibe to it, which uh, yeah. is why I like it. Totally. I dig that whole sort of pop 70s sound. The Ruben News had some good songs. I feel like every version we've heard so far, every band is wearing like puffy shirts. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you're still definitely in puffy shirt territory. <laughs> I don't know if this is pronounced Lean Lovich or Lene Lovich, but it's this woman who was born in Michigan and grew up in England. And she has this style that's like, I'm weird, look at me. But this is her version. one's got so much going on in there i like that she's got a theremin go it's like a pre-cindy lopper kind yeah. of thing going on i like her vocals and they got like a theremin and shit you never go wrong with a theremin they're just being weird in yeah. 1978 our next version is the one that is uh the namesake of this movie the Tiffany version. That song is a perfect example of what the 80s did to covers like it. <laughs> Build it with so much yeah. synth and odd and fake dr drums and overproduced way, to yeah, hell. way too much. We had no point of comparison back then, but the further we get from the original, especially from this point on, quality begins to diminish quite a bit. So now we're in the area where it's like overproduction begins, and also ironic 
punk covers of the song. Of course, that's that's it, the, the the next <laughs> obvious way to go. Here is one yeah. by this is an English punk band called Snuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think the best part about the punk versions is that they're short. They're fun. Yeah, yeah. And they're short. The novelty is like, yeah, once you hear the first punk version. This song actually loses a lot. I didn't notice it until hearing that version. It loses a lot when they don't have that harmony chorus. Mm. But you take that away, it just, I don't know, it, it kind of loses something. A California punk band, Skate Punk Pioneers, Screeching Weasel, they have what might be the, the quickest version of the song. <laughs> In less than a minute. Oh, wow. The snuff punk version is the more popular punk version, but I think I like the screeching weasel version better than the snuff version. That's just me. <laughs> We're still going. <laughs> but wait, there's more. This next version is by a band called Rat Cat. They're from they're an indie rock band from Australia. Indie rock is my musical roots, so I feel like as far as the overseas versions of this song, this one might be my favorite. It's got that indie guitar groove. I think Some real nasally vocals there. Yeah, it sounds like it's right out of the 70s to me. Indie rock, I mean, it was probably like this in Australia too. Big lo-fi wave. It was very influential where people were just kind of not really trying to get all the most modern recording techniques, yeah. just whatever you can do. Simple version, but I like it quite a bit. Nothing, it's not uh, blowing the bells off, which is kind of what I like about it. But speaking of like polishing it until it's dead. <laughs> Now we go to 2002. Oh yes, and we're we're getting into where electronic music is just becoming. Is that? Is that the aughts? Yeah, the, the bigger now, bigger and bigger. And this it's one about to turn to shit. I think this is uh, gosh, where's this band from? Denmark. Is this Mace? Did Mace do it? <laughs> Puff Daddy. <laughs> Let's talk about Puff Daddy. How someone so shitty could ride the tails of someone who was so good. Puff Daddy sucked. Can we just say that? That was some garbage fucking music. <laughs> I never really got that much into any. I kind of fell out of uh, hip hop and, and R&B around that time. Once we started getting into the early 2000s, I kind of started to lose interest in mm. a lot of that stuff. You're more of an old, old school kind yeah, of Yeah, I kind of started to go back. But here's, uh, in this version, Pascal featuring Karen Perry. The feeding of a hot Horrible. 
Cue the foam machine. The shirtless guys. <laughs> the, Come on, Barbie. Let's go party. And the the Euro dance versions, they ignore that fun heartbeat part. They they ignore like you need that in the song. Like that's the tempo of the whole thing. Yeah. Here's another version by a band. Uh, I guess this is this might be another Euro group called Playhouse. Children behave. That's what they say when we're together. I watch how you play. They don't understand and that's all. Those, those songs are so predictable. <laughs> I mean, you just know, like, it's gonna, yeah. it's gonna be a. That one's from 2003. It was trying to pull from some 80s vibe, but it was just overdone as hell. Yes. Here's another one by a... Really just went downhill after Tiffany. This is a, a version by a band called Comadre. Probably the most vocally different one we're going to encounter. And they're uh, like a scream core band, like one of those emo screamer bands, I think, from 2004. How do you not hate this song at this point? <laughs> oh, a kill. A kill. I torture myself. You're a masochist, man. If they're being funny, I get that. But, if, but I have a feeling they might not be yeah, trying to be yeah. funny. I don't know. Even that they're trying to be funny. I mean, it's been done so much at this point. It's like hearing another version of Hit Me Baby one more time. Like, we get it. Is it even ironic anymore? You're doubling down on the irony, which I think just negates the irony. This brings it back to where it was before. This next version is by this uh, little power poppy boy group that I don't think ever really made it. Called like the- so many of those boy <laughs> groups. Because <laughs> power pop at this point is super over-polished and kind of boring. But uh, in the mid two thousands, the Click Five did a version. Children Yeah, like they're trying to be three different bands at once. <laughs> uh, like, uh, like I want to be Fountains Away. No, My Chemical Romance or, <laughs> or what the fuck ever. This next version, they're called like an indie folk girl group called the Pipettes. And this I like the name. And this uh, counts as definitely the most English version Ooh, you'll hear. I'm intrigued. And so we're running just as fast as we can. As we can. Holding on to one another. the best thing about i did like that version though this song is that everyone knows it yeah everyone knows the words and if you just hear it once that was the beautiful thing about the original you only needed to hear it once or twice and you could probably sing the whole fucking song yeah these bands they'll pop this out on a live show and the whole crowd is singing along 
bands like Weezer and the Killers, they have like live video versions of them singing this song. The whole crowd is singing along. Some might call it lazy. Yeah. <laughs> or hack. Yeah. <laughs> After uh, listening to this song for hours, one might call covers of it totally hack. <laughs> you have no one to blame but yourself for that, sir. <laughs> it's like S&M. Like musical S&M. And I'm the sub. <laughs> this next version might be the worst. The worst version. By a group called Girls Aloud. This is an english girl group who is actually very popular what year are we talking about we are at 2006 god we're still in the mid 2000s oh yeah jesus From the vocals to the production, I could not imagine anything more disposable <laughs> than that bullshit right there. I think I would pick that one over those first two shitty early 2000s ones that you played. You, they were you, like techno. You would pick Girls Aloud over Pascal I, featuring I, Karen Barry? I think I would. You should watch the vi There's a video. Uh, I'll pass on that. Let's say I did. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> this next version is from, a, we're at 2009. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I we're doing I was it. signing up for this, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's called, uh, the, a band called The Birthday Massacre. They're from Toronto. And they are a goth rock pop band. Oh, God. The production on that one is turned up to like 15. Yeah, it's 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 a fairly soulless <laughs> cover. Children I think her voice sounds good. It's hard to tell though if it's, it's all that it's very layers mixed layers of stuff. I think this is a full-time band but not a big band and you got the vibe that they got some legit studio and mix time yeah and that they paid for and they were like we gotta throw it all it in all, there man. you gotta do everything in here now of course there is an endless hole of people youtube singers doing versions of this song i'm only going to point out two or three please tell me you got some girl with an ukulele hell no who sings like She's like, I think, uh, as Angela puts it, sounds like she's cradling her voice in her hands. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a baby bird. That's, yeah, that's But funny. nah, brah. There's this brah called Liquid Charlie, oh, also from England. That's a nice name. And uh, brah, what if you had a guitar instrumental metal version of I Think We're Alone oh. Now? Metal instrumental versions of pop songs are just chillax, bruh.
no wonder no one likes rock and roll anymore. Because <laughs> this is where we've gone to. Would you like to hear a rocking version, man? <laughs> this next fellow, his name is Andy Hackbarth, and he has a YouTube channel where he sings a lot of songs. And you can find him at andyhackbarth.com. I don't know why I'm promoting him. I'm sure he appreciates that shout out. I guess he better appreciate it because I think he sucks. <laughs> Children behave. That's what they say when we're together. And watch how you play. If only they knew. So we're... That is hack. Definition 2018 hack bullshit. Oh, it doesn't seem. Andy Hackbarth, you're a hack. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. And you know what, dude? I know you can make those little vocal embellishments, but sometimes power is knowing when not to use He's it. He's just another one of those YouTube kids who's hoping to get discovered that some, maybe Justin Bieber or something sees it and wants to pay it forward. Look, Andy, take it from two people on a third-rate podcast. <laughs> Your career speaks, bro. <laughs> Our almost final one. Almost final? It is technically the final one. It's a live performance. Uh, the Pipettes were a live performance, too. Uh, but this is our other live performance by a band called Randomonium out of Greenville, South Carolina. Mm. They are a cover band. And I <laughs> and they uh, did a, a show at Trailblazer Park in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, just last year. Is that a truck stop? Sounds like a truck stop. It could be. Could be not far from one, I'm sure. And in the video, the camera's pulled way back. And you see two people sitting on the grass. And that's it. And I'm sure more people were there. <laughs> that's just where the camera was panned. I'm not talking <laughs> shit, Randomonium. You got a great fucking band name, Randomonium. It's a great cover band name. But a guy did come over and sit like at the side of the shot. Because you could see his thigh like hanging out over into the shot. Randomonium. Burning down Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The dude doing backups is also the guy who's playing the tambourine. I kind of figured. I had, a, I had a feeling. He's real enthusiastic about it. As most tambourine players are. But I can tell that they're trying to do something a little different in the guitar riffing. Hear this again. Now, Akil, I can tell by that tired expression on your My face. My ears are bleeding right now. <laughs> That you're thinking, now, we just heard 19 different versions oh of that song. We haven't even started talking about the documentary yet. Taking up way too much of this time. But I see what you're, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what if the opening hook to each one of those versions was played at the exact same time? Oh, God.
Is that Andy Hackbarth guitar <laughs> at the end? Oh God, that was that was horrible. That was just like that was a cacophony of what are you doing to me, man? And that's the story <laughs> of that song. I think we're alone now. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. All right, now let's talk about this movie by Sean Donnelly. I think we're alone now. Produced by Phil Buccioletto and Awesome and Modest Production. Very simple. Very simple. Very straightforward. Very simple. The directors and the production company, they're not trying to draw a lot of light away from the two subjects that they focus on. And the subjects we focus on, we are introduced at the very beginning to a guy named Jeff Dean Turner. <laughs> yeah, I did. This movie just goes right into it. Yeah, he kissed Tiffany. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you mentioned it gets right into it. I thought that maybe I had found a version that I had maybe missed something. I know what you mean. And I thought, well, maybe there's maybe this version I'm watching, maybe the first few minutes, because it, it literally it just it jumps right into Jeff just talking to the camera yeah. with no, you know, little name card at the bottom that that's who the, the, the guy's name is or even what the fuck you're watching. It just launches right into it. So I thought the same thing like that, because this is on, you can find this on YouTube. It's also on Amazon Prime and I saw it for free on streamable if you have Amazon Prime. I was like, oh, I'll watch this version because I think I might be missing something. You're not missing anything. It's the exact same way. It's the exact same. The, wow. only, the only difference is that it opens up with a text of the production company and the director. Like the most plain thing ever. Wow. Then jumps right into it. The YouTube version cuts that part out. And we actually don't get credits at all until the very end of yeah. the movie. But look. Akil, Jeff, yeah, he's kissed Tiffany before. Oh, we've kissed. <laughs> oh, yeah, we have. Uh, no tongue, though, but it, it could have happened. He lives in Santa Cruz, and he loves it because the place is so weird that it draws all the fascists away. He's he, obsessed with fascists. Yeah, he does not like fascists. I mean, that's not a bad thing. Fascists being people like security cards around <laughs> Tiffany. <laughs> we see articles. The camera pans around articles of him about him stalking Tiffany, uh, close-ups of letters and courtroom records. As a 16-year-old, she was forced to get a restraining order against Jeff Dean Turner. They have my whole name in there. That's such a surreal part. Of, like, he's, it's like he's proud of the fact that all these articles have been written about him, calling him a stalker, and he has, look, this is my restraining order. Like he like does it's a badge of honor. Like he doesn't, t like these people, can you believe what they're calling me? <laughs> We also meet, if uh, that wasn't, if Jeff, if Jeff Turner is not uh, depressing enough, we meet someone called Kelly McCormick. Another warm Colorado morning begins. We see her exercising, obsessed with exercising, does it in that mountain air because <laughs> look, when you train in the mountain air and then you get back down to the regular elevation, you smoke them. Kelly McCormick was born, what is the term? I want to be, I don't want to be mean about it. She said intersex. Intersex, yes. Born with both genders. We meet a friend of Kelly's, and he is a gay man who is trying to, references her with both pronouns. Back and forth, yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting that he couldn't seem to make up his mind how he wanted to address her. He's... Kelly seems to be living, particularly as a woman, but is attracted to other women, it would seem. Yeah. Or at least to Tiffany. She's never had a girlfriend, been in love, but it was never turned back. But so says... Sad. Oh, God. God, dude. Broke my heart. 
She claims to have talked with Tiffany for about seven hours. She says she's not a stalker because stalkers don't truly love the people. It seemed like Kelly did not seem to mind if people were very back and forth with her gender pronunciation. But I think because she appears to be living as a woman, I'm just going to reference her as she. That's fair. Do you buy that she talked to Tiffany for seven hours? No. I, I... No. <laughs> seven hours? Seven minutes? Maybe. That's kind. Now, kill. let me hit you with this sham fact. The fun documenteer sham fact. I love sham facts. Uh, Jeff was bullied a lot when he was a kid. <laughs> this dude, his name's Douglas Hawes. He's known Jeff for 20 years. Jeff does have friends, and uh, Jeff makes a reference to something like Reikian implosion therapy, and he gets into some... <laughs> Let's get a little background on Jeff here. <laughs> he has Asperger's, as he admits. Yeah. And so he's on that spectrum, and that's causing like failure in understanding social cues, like, please stop touching me, things like that, or security. You know, he doesn't understand what those things mean. I will say that I... His is a version of Asperger's that I've never seen before. Usually when I see Asperger's, it's presented as someone who has difficulty connecting with people on an emotional level, almost more towards the autism end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So to see someone who is way too much trying to connect to people was really weird. Like I, I wasn't, I knew that he had something going on up there, but I didn't expect him to say Asperger's because that's just not a version that I've ever seen before. It just seems like Tiffany's the object of an obsession. I don't know how much emotion plays into it, but it doesn't need to be reciprocated for him to obviously it's it's, it would be as if like he was into trains. Trains are very popular amongst people with autism and Asperger's. It's like Tiffany is a train. I'd ride that train. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not <laughs> editing that. Was, that. that was too easy. I'm ashamed of my... That was hack. All right. That was some hack shit right there. <laughs> she's a beautiful woman. She is. And a beautiful older woman. I think she's oh. actually gotten more attractive as she's gotten Yeah, more. but uh, Jeff is the son of an airman who died in Vietnam when he was 13 years old. And his mother married a guy named Richard Truesdale, who was a family friend, friend of the father's, who is Jeff's stepdad. That's hack. That's my term of the, of the day. <laughs> That's hack. I mean, really? How much more cliche can you be? She married his dad's friend. That's hack bar, man. <laughs> That's totally hack bar. Jeff seems to get along with him, but calls him a tyrannical fascist. Now, Richard loves toy trains, and he says he had to banish Jeff from the toy trains. I'm not sure why. He's got Asperger's. He'd love these fucking trains. I guess he... he I got the sense that he broke a train or something. He said he dropped a train, I think. And from that point on, he was booted. He was banned from the train basement. Richard, loosen up on your fucking train. All right. He's a tyrannical fascist, man. Yeah. Mr. Rogers let people play with his train. Right. He is a fucking tyrannical fascist. <laughs> Fuck you, Richard Truesdale. <laughs> but Richard points out the obvious that he has mental problems. He's disabled. Like, what am I supposed to do about it? I don't know nothing about it. I'm not a doctor. He's my dead friend's kid. What am I supposed to do about it? My problem. <laughs> I just like his mom's, uh, you know. <laughs> but Jeff says, you know, it's the cracked ones that let the light into the world. I'm so happy. I wrote I wrote that quote down, too. That may have been my favorite quote for the entire. Because the way, the way he says it, it's a little, a little creepy. Mm -hmm. Like, there may be some underlying. I feel like both of them are capable of murdering Tiffany. 
the way the murder would go down would be different. I did ask that question. Like, would this guy probably kill Tiffany? I don't know if he thinks he would do it, but... And that's the difference. Better safe than sorry. Yeah. You never know. I think I think Kelly is... If anyone's going to kill Tiffany first, it's going to be Kelly. Another warm Colorado morning begins. <laughs> you think it's going to... No, I think Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, really? I, I think it would... Not taking the end into account, which we'll get to later, obviously. But where we are right now in this documentary... I yeah Kelly Kelly's the crime of passion person Kelly's the if Tiffany I have to say this about Tiffany she is a truly special person to tolerate these two individuals yeah she's polite to them and you can tell she's incredibly uncomfortable around them but she still tolerates them she's had restraining orders on Jeff in the past yeah and there are scenes where Jeff like hugs her and she is talking to him very briefly. You can tell she's trying to get the fuck out yeah. of there, but she's still trying to be nice at the same time. I don't know if that is a mistake because what do you do in that situation? You don't want to set the person off by being rude, but you also don't want to encourage them by you, being too overly nice. And maybe she's being conscious about the other fans around. Like maybe if she just keeps moving, this won't be a scene yeah. or anything. Ugh. I don't know. I mean, sometimes I sit around fantasizing what it's like to be Tiffany, but I'll just never know. I think you can probably you can go there. You know, we kissed once. No tongue, but could have. I got tongue. Uh -huh. Oh, you did? Yeah. Well, I'm happy for you both. <laughs> I mean, we're really good friends. She's one of my best friends. When she's your best friend, there's no better friend. Oh, no. And, I mean, she's Christ-like. I crucified her. <laughs> Kelly is showing off her dope running abilities uh, for a demonstration of, of my running capabilities uh, I'll put a little show for you guys here <laughs> um, points out that she's a Look, oh God. we're trying not to laugh too much. <laughs> These are disturbed people. I feel bad because the documentary, I mean, it, it really borderlines on being exploitative. I mean, it's 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 not quite there because it's just really just letting them be them. It's not propping yeah. them up in any sort of way or setting them up or anything. But man, that scene of her running, I think that's my favorite scene in the entire movie. Kelly points out she's only running at 10%. If she was running more... Be able to smoke everyone. The only part she's, of the direction. She's winded. Yeah. She's, very winded. She's gasping for breath. I'm pretty sure I could run that much. And I hate running. <laughs> the only time I heard, and it was very faint. You you really would have to hear it. And I heard it because I listened to like clips in my headphones constantly. <laughs> but at the very beginning when Jeff is talking about how, oh, yeah, I kissed Tiffany. Yeah. At the very, very beginning. That's a really good impression. You hear the director go. Put on the mouth. Could have. On the mouth. Like the director wants to know, like, or like, did she kiss back? You know, like, how? I think that's one of the few times you do hear the director's voice, but it's so faint. You'd have to really be paying attention. Kelly, as we discussed, she's intersex. She takes spirolactone, which is a testosterone reducer. Kelly discusses how she went to Buena Park, California was a part of the spirit club and the track team. And she points out, and we see pictures of her when she's younger. She looks like she's living pretty much as a boy, as far as I can tell. But Kelly, based on what she says, was the most popular person on the campus. Yeah, I call bullshit on that. Kelly is also an alcoholic. Every time you hear Kelly speak, 
It sounds very slow. I mean, I want to say it's alcohol. We do see Kelly drink, but Kelly's always speaking that way. Always. It becomes way more pronounced, I think, when she's been drinking, though. I would imagine that that combined with whatever testosterone reducer she's taking is really doing a number on her. Didn't she fall? Didn't she? Wasn't she in an accident? I think she had a she had a head injury. Yeah, she had a head injury. I'm not sure when it happened. She was in a coma. Oh yeah, yeah. She was in a coma for ten days. And I actually had I I'd watched the documentary twice, and I didn't even remember this. I don't know how I blacked this complete part out from the first time I saw it. She back in 1987, she was riding her bicycle or his bicycle was in an accident. Hit his hit her head. Was comatose for ten days. During that time, she had a vision of Tiffany. That's right. Yeah. And didn't she That's say, where the obsession began. She said, like, she played that song with her, like, a tape with her sister? She, she woke up 10 days later. It was uh, July 4th, 1987. And when she woke up, her sister... Had some head had a, uh, a Walkman, put the headphones on her, and the song I think we're alone now was playing. I think we're alone now. It be she had never heard the song before, had never seen Tiffany before, mm-hmm. and her sister showed her the cassette, and she looked at the cover and said, "That's the I, that's the girl I had the vision of in my coma." So that's where her obsession with Tiffany began. Sounds legit. I think so. We meet Marshall Weeks as Jeff's friend. He has Asperger's too. He talks about Asperger's, calls it the little professor syndrome, because when you get really interested in things, when you have this condition, you just start being very descriptive of things and very analytical of things. He seems more self-aware. Almost like you do things like look up various versions of, I think we're alone now and force friends of yours to listen to them all. (laughs) That's what, that's what the little professor syndrome is. I think we got the ass part in there, right? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff said there's been women in the past there, uh, but he's only ever liked the one from 1985. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying so hard not to laugh. But... <laughs> People are sick. I think he said he hooked up with someone in 87, but didn't really like her. But by the time he's up in the 90s, he's atoned in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I lift my hands, Lord, and he lifts his heart, Lord. We speak to the, I guess it's the minister, Don Bergheimer, playing guitar. That's how you know it's a cool, a little bit different. Always. Because he brought out that guitar. He's wearing jeans. When I stopped going to church, first of all, people didn't understand. I didn't believe it. When older folks would try to get me to go to church, they'd be like, you should go down to this church, man. And he whoops out the guitar. Guitars? <laughs> it's got to be cool. I'm reset. <laughs> well, we meet Luis Quintana, that is Kelly's friend. And that's the person who keeps going back and forth on uh, Kelly's gender. And it says that roommates with Kelly and that they used to go to gay clubs, but he used to be embarrassed by Kelly, but he managed over time to move on from it because Kelly seems harmless if you're not Tiffany. He admits he's got a, he has a hard time not being judgmental of her yeah how do you, i don't understand how you as someone who has been involved in friendships that were what i call pity friendships where you're really basically someone's friend because they don't have anyone else 
and you just feel sorry for them. Yeah. And there are a hundred other places you would really rather be, but because you've got some of your own shit that you're dealing with, it makes you feel like you need to rescue people. Yeah, yeah. I spent a lot of my life involved in friendships like that, so I, I get it to a certain extent, but I just can't see how someone can establish a long-standing relationship with this person to actually reside with them. I think Luis is sleeping at his fuck buddy's house a lot of the time. <laughs> we meet a Christine Hademan. She's the site moderator for Tiffany's website, and she's throwing mad shade on these stalkers. Honey, no. See, when all of the security guards swoop in and surround you, it's not because Tiffany's protecting you. <laughs> It's because Tiffany's afraid of you. <laughs> uh, Tiffany is afraid of you <laughs> when the guards come. Uh, they're not there because they care about you. Uh, they're there to protect her. her from you, sweetie. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> I think in any other context, I might be like, I hate you as a person. But in this context, it's yeah. like, yeah, you're like, right. Yeah, yeah, she's totally yeah you're, you're, you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> Oh my god, you're a stalker. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Jeff's looking at psychology books. Another book. Stalking and psychosexual obsession. Boy, they really get gushy on these titles. They got gushy titles. His friend says that he's obsessed, but he's not dangerous. Still. Fine line. Let's keep a arm's length away. Jeff is looking through old Tiffany articles. Apparently, Tiffany had a husband at one point that attempted suicide. Pretty dark. Um, apparently, Jeff got into some trouble once because he gave Tiffany a gift. What was that, a kill? Uh, I do believe... Oh, shit. What's the word I'm looking for? A fucking katana. <laughs> That's what it was. It's a goddamn sword. <laughs> what? Even for someone as crazy as him, why would he... What is, I'm sorry, man. This this documentary has fucked with my head so much. I was like having dreams about it a couple of nights ago. <laughs> yeah. These are not people I want walking through my brain when I'm asleep. Was Kelly challenging you to a race <laughs> in your dreams? We were in Colorado and she totally had the edge because of the thin air up there. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and she was only going like 10%. <laughs> She was smoking me, man. What Tiffany and her security didn't understand is that offering a katana in a ceremonial fashion in such a way is the highest honor it's, one I can mean, bestow it's, upon. It's a logical explanation. And car- whether they're carnations or some, there were like some other kind of flowers yeah. or something. Yeah. It's, Duh. I mean, all I had to do was look it up. That's Yeah, that's on them. Tiffany should have been like, I got a weapon. I'm going to start using it. <laughs> that's what she, that should have been the reaction. Oh. Kelly's father, much like Jeff, was also in Nam and was exposed to Agent Orange. And then she does a Polly Shore impression. Oh my gosh, does that mean I'm an orange meat turkey? Help me, Gumpo Gumpo Buddy. Kelly's trapped in the 90s. She wears a fanny pack a lot during this documentary. My wife wears fanny packs, but you could still make fun of them. I think it's great. <laughs> well, in this context, yes. <laughs> yes, you can. When Kelly was a kid, her gender would be split depending on whether she was with her mother or her father. It's a fucked up way to live. This may be stating the obvious, but how confusing must that have been? Yeah. Jeff goes on the dole. He's on the dole. Social security, disability. Uh, HUD pays four-fifths of his rent. And Kelly also gets government assistance. But now the government knows that she has a roommate, so 
Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder what her status is. Well, I don't think we see the roommate later on, so that might. Have, yeah, uh, he might have been gone. That. Yeah. Look, look Kelly. <laughs> You're just we can't, weird. We, can't, we can't go on this way. Jeff is also a major hoarder. <laughs> yeah. Big time. Uh, borderline. Not quite at the disgusting, filthy level, but really, really getting there. Jeff's friend, who we meet earlier, I already forgot his fucking name. Uh, is this his 20-year friend or it, his Asperger's friend? It's the 20-year friend. Okay. He starts going into talking about how Jeff has opened his eyes to secret societies and satanic cults at that point i was like dude you're just as fucking bad <laughs> i thought you were maybe the one lone voice of reason in this damn documentary and then he starts talking about secret societies and the freaking radionic psionic psychotronic devices that he spent 20 grand i mean just yeah his radionic psychic devices or psychotronic radionic psychotronic devices radionic psionic psychotronic devices nikola tesla uh, great electrophysicist discoverer. Yeah. Those sound like just made up words because they are. <laughs> but it's a bike helmet with like, what the fuck? <laughs> and Jeff's friend is like dead serious. Like he knows about the satanic fucking cults, dude. He opened my eyes, man. They're fighting for control of the streets. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff claims to communicate with tiffany through the radionic and i guess that's where like he can get psychic tongue if he needs to. yeah this is what i refer to as the fucked up doc brown moment in the documentary <laughs> it's like if they took that scene from back to the future where marty shows up in 55 at doc brown's door and he opens the door and he's got that thing on his head but if you took that and just made him a fucking sociopath well i guess you can't call jeff a sociopath what if like he's in that room wearing the radionic psychotronic bike helmet and then a version of him from the future walks into the room great scott <laughs> yeah. but yeah he can communicate with tiffany with the helmet but what jeff doesn't realize is that tiffany also has psychic security guards <laughs> and even they won't let his uh astral projection close to tiffany's astral projection <laughs> oh jesus jeff proposes to tiffany but uh, but Tiffany says no. I'm married to a man named Ben George. Man ben with two first names. Yeah, Ben George is a uh, is uh, a guy with an English accent and a dad bod, which means we probably would have had a chance, you know, if we were single. I think you would have had more of a chance than me. I would have grown out a ponytail. I noticed he had like a ponytail going yeah. on. I'd grow my. I've been thinking about growing out a ponytail. I don't, anyway. she, I don't know if she's into the brothers or not. But I know the brothers would definitely be in her. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm it's talking about. That good about. thing. Hell yeah. <laughs> There's I a my mom never hears this. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna record this on a cassette, <laughs> no, on a CD, and hand it to your mom. There's a picture of Jeff with Tiffany and her husband, and he points out that I think you can see the look on his face. There, he's is uh, the look in his eyes. He's exuding jealousy. <laughs> Dude, that is not jealousy. Does that look like the green-eyed monster of jealousy? Yes, it does. Straight up annoyance of the fact that god damn it it's him again why does she tolerate this motherfucker every single time we see him is he the one that tried to kill himself i don't know i want to say no i don't know if that's the only time tiffany has been married i've done enough i did enough research on the song i think we're alone now not so much on tiffany's <laughs> on tiffany <laughs> i knew she's like half lebanese that's about as far as i got kelly says i'm supposed to be with tiffany i'm sick and fucking tired um, um, this bullshit 
I'm being pushed out of Tiffany's life when I'm supposed to be in it. There's a discussion on a guy named Robert John Bardo. I don't know if you know this guy. I'm very much aware of this guy. He would he would later murder the actress Rebecca Schaefer. I remember that because I had a huge crush on Rebecca Schaefer. I used to watch My Sister Sam, the show that she was on with Pam Dauber at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was very bummed when I found out. That was my first actual interaction as a kid with a celebrity being murdered by someone. Did it hit you pretty hard? I mean, I remember being just thrown by it because I was too young. I think I was maybe six when John Lennon was shot. And I, I mean, I didn't really know who John Lennon was. Yeah. I wasn't listening to Beatles or anything like that. But at that age, that was really the first time I can remember seeing on the news that someone that I watched on television every week had been murdered by some crazy person and just being really kind of taken aback by it. She was really, really cute. Before Robert Bardo shot Rebecca Schaefer, obviously he was mentally disturbed. He went to a Tiffany concert with a gun. So Tiffany over the years has been a magnet for people with these obsessions. I mean, she's a light and the crazy moths are coming in after her. That's, that's had to have had an effect. I mean, I'm sure the celebrities deal with this on a, a fairly regular basis. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like she's at formative time in her life. She was a teenager and having to deal with all these crazy dudes. We should point out that she was fucking huge. Yeah. Like 86, 87. She did a mall tour. She put out that single of the Tommy James song. It reintroduced that song to a whole new generation. I mean, she knocked, I feel like she knocked Michael Jackson off the off number one. Yeah, that song. And she toured malls. Thousands upon thousands would flock to these yeah. malls. She was the biggest thing going for at least a year. Absolutely. In the 90s, you got the vibe is like, oh, shit, I need money. Playboy, you yeah. know. But you can do what you got to right. do. No yeah. judgment. I mean, eventually Debbie Gibson did it, too. So, you know. And we all know Debbie Gibson is on a higher level. Well, I'll, I'll take your word for it. Uh, yeah, dude, that's good. My favorite part of this movie is when Jeff is talking to the security people. Oh, that's the best, man. When he's, beach. he's giving all these hot facts. And people uh, were allowed to go up, you know, to the up to the near the edge of the stage and crank their head back. And then several, a uh, whole bunch of lesbians climbed up on the stage and started groping her and butt bumping her and hugging her. And uh, she was fine with that. Those poor guys. And they're like slowly walking away. They're, he could tell they tried to be polite at first. And then they're like, just oh, yeah. walk. Just, yeah, they just, just keep going. Yeah. And then uh, he's walking up to random people. I'm a friend of Tiffany's and uh, I was here last year with this. I just talked to Tiffany about this last month. So, uh, we saw each other for two days. I mean, we are friends. We got towel. pictures and uh, that's my towel. And they're being polite. But you could tell it's just like, oh, shit. Kelly is wearing a... Billy Idol jacket. It was like a jacket that it was like it looked like a crew jacket for like a Billy Idol tour. She's really stuck in the eighties. Billy Idol, who sang "Money Money," which was also an original song by Tommy James and the Shondells. Full circle. Boom. We go to a Tiffany concert on a beach carnival, and there's a few obsessed fans, and there's a a, a very gruff looking dude, very much like a dude's dude, and he's got like Tiffany buttons, and he. And he's like, oh, I love Tiffany's new new album, man. That I shit's... never would have pegged that guy as a Tiffany <laughs> fan. Uh, and my, <laughs> the best part is when he says, 20 years ago, I had to um, um, see the new kids on the block, unfortunately, live, just to see her live. And so and she was the opening act. So uh, right after she was off, though, I was off. And he says that, like, you know, it's the shame of going to see that tolerating new kids on the block. And I'm like, dude, it, it was Tiffany. He looks more like a guy you would see. He looks at, like a trucker. Yeah, totally. He's probably a stalker, too. Look, we're already throwing out hard judgments. 
Kelly is sad. She didn't get to go to the concert because she lost her ID. But Kelly does manage to get booze and smokes. Yeah, I wonder. But if you go to the same place, they're not going to like And she points out that Tiffany and her are very bleak right now. She can cut out the Tiffany part and just say her. (laughs) And we go to L.A. GlamourCon. It's an erotica convention. And it's, as Jeff describes it, it's a place where people go to make friends and renew friendships. And he actually manages an awkward hug with Tiffany. We see Jeff. He's witnessing to his church about his time going to the con. Everyone at this big convention event, there was thousands of people there. And I ministered, uh, God sent me to minister to hundreds of people and found out uh, most of the attendees and the featured people there are saved. And I didn't see anyone acting mean-spirited. Everyone just loved everyone there. That is a really awkward moment. Boy, that congregation is so patient with Jeff. Because <laughs> the preacher is looking at him like, I think he's holding his guitar. Like he's just looking at Jeff and he could, you could see on his brain, he's thinking, just please, just stop. Just stop talking. <laughs> and then the camera pans over to a couple other congregation members. And one of one guy is just like trying not to laugh. The preacher, he's rewritten a Donovan song to sound like a praise song. <laughs> and he's been waiting all week to play it. But Jeff just keeps going on and on. <laughs> and we see Tiffany signing uh, naked photos of herself. Gotta pay the bills. Just for the Mr. Skin fans out there. Jeff talks to Tiffany and he he's telling her where his hotel is. And he's like, I have nothing to hide, Tiffany. Just I'm trying to be your friend. We unite these two train wrecks at kill. Because Jeff calls Kelly. Hello. Is this Kelly McCormick, please? Uh, yes, yeah, speaking. Oh, speaking? Oh, hi, Kelly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, my name is uh, Jeff Turner, and I'm a uh, personal friend of Tiffany Renee Darwish. And what is probably one of my favorite phone calls of all time. Absolutely. Are you aware of the sport that Tiffany likes to participate in most is different forms of martial arts? No, I was not aware of that. But here's my question. This is the one thing part of the documentary, because I mentioned earlier how the, the director doesn't seem to be setting anything up. No. Nope. It's just all just, we're just going to follow these two people as they exist. They obviously had to have given him sure. her phone number. Right. So this is, this part kind of bugged me a little bit just because they're making a concerted effort to bring these two different worlds of crazy together just for the impact, just to see what happens yeah. when you throw these two together. But I think it's all right because... I want to see what happens. Of course we want to see what happens. And it's weird because Kelly's actually never been to a Tiffany concert or anything. Yeah, that kind of surprised me that she had spent all this time being obsessive about her and never actually seen her before. And Jeff has been to so many. All of them, <laughs> including the ones. There were some pictures in the early where she's doing the mall tour and there's an older man with like a year old Jeff. With like a, a mullet. Yeah. Tiffany! <laughs> with all these teenage girls surrounding him. But Kelly's got jokes. Why you call my blonde? What? A golden retriever. <laughs> okay, well, and, I'm yeah, gonna. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, well, what's blonde and brown, blonde and brown, blonde and brown? What? Madonna doing cartwheels. She missed her calling. <laughs> but Kelly is going to her first live Tiffany concert in Las Vegas. And when Kelly meets Jeff, Kelly, impromptu of nothing, points out how at the time, she was very excited because the Denver Broncos signed Jerry Rice as the fourth wide receiver. That's the most confused 
you've ever seen. Because Jeff is so sure of his connection to Tiffany. Right. This is the most silence we get from him. He's got nothing. Sports, that's his his Achilles heel. He doesn't know anything. It's the one thing Jeff and I have in common. You guys should hang out. You like Tiffany kind of, right? I guarantee you if anyone's going to find this podcast episode, it's going to be Jeff. Please, Jeff. What's your address, Akil? <laughs> if I remember, <laughs> I wish I knew it off the top. Oh of God, I would kick your ass. <laughs> but seriously, Jeff, if you're listening, email us. Give us a call. Give give do the do the spiel. Uh, Documenteers podcast at gmail dot com. Yeah, Jeff, reach out. Documenteers podcast at gmail dot com. That's the beautiful thing about podcasts. You might not hear it the week it comes out, but it's always going to be there, baby. Two years ago, an email from Jeff. Yeah, yeah, and I'll be gl- happy to read it as long. It could be as long as you want it to be. <laughs> Kelly uh, clarifies with Jeff. Excuse me, excuse, excuse me, Jeff. Um, I'm I'm not looking uh, for like a one night stand. I want you know. I just don't want sex with her. I want her friendship as well. I'm not looking for a one night stand. All right. We're looking for something more permanent. That came so much of their interaction. Like it's like every moment just came out of left field. Like that phone call is a perfect example. <laughs> just weird. They don't really talk to one another so much as talk at each other. Some of her songs really are an antidote to depression. I mean, the, there's the song called I'll Be the Girl on her second album. And you can listen to that and you can't be depressed after that one. As far as I can tell, that phone call is not edited. No, what, what is played in is. the movie. It's about like a minute and a half, and that's it. It's just a weird, awkward, and then Jeff abruptly ends the call. And Jeff says, well, when Tiffany's your friend, there's no better friend. And Kelly is trotting out some earrings. Is that something she's going to wear or something she's going to give to Tiffany? I think she's going to wear the hoop earrings. Yeah, the hoop earrings. <laughs> uh, Kelly's doing makeup late at night while Jeff sleeps. That, I think, might be the most disturbing part of the documentary for me, is watching, me put her, watching her put on her makeup. It's a very sad makeup It's scene. like some shit out of Silas of the Lambs, man. She states... She's going to wear her skin. I love how she said... I got Jeff outmatched easy. Define what you mean by outmatched. Because, I mean, <laughs> Jeff's seen, like you said, every Tiffany concert. Well, she can fucking run faster, I'll tell you that. That's true. Take that, Jeff. Yeah. Jeff knows a lot of facts, though. Yeah. And everyone, any Tiffany fan knows that Tiffany loves facts about herself. I mean, only Jeff would know that she was really big into martial arts. Kelly didn't know that shit. Did, Jeff, did you know that she's big into martial arts because she's scared of people <laughs> like you? <laughs> <laughs> documenteers podcast at gmail.com jeff reach out they're called self-defense courses my friend this might be one of the few occasions where kelly's the coolest person in the room you th- i feel like jeff might be the more murdery but but i do but you're right i think kelly is more volatile kelly's the, like i said she's the crown of fashion yeah i think jeff would kelly would be the type of person and like and let me preface this with apology to both jeff and kelly if they are ever listening to this yeah um unless they actually do murder tiffany but (laughs) (laughs) fuck you for killing part of my childhood you asshole kelly's the type of person i feel like who would just like would lose it and go into a blind rage and just bludgeon tiffany to death yeah and then sort of like realize what she's done and then at that point she runs and then eventually she gets killed in a hail of gunfire you know by some cops or something jeff he's he's a little more i think he would kill her silently with a smile on his face you think it'd be like a like he just starts hugging her and he doesn't let her go yeah and then she, it's like enough mice and men kind of scenario yeah. yeah i don't see him like trying to actively kill her but i can easily picture him playing in tiffany's blood i picture him killing her and then keeping the body and like dressing it up and embalming it 
And yeah. for years, no one knows what happened to Tiffany. She went missing. Yeah. And then 15 years down the line. And the ironic thing is that he's telling everyone like, yeah, Tiffany's at my house yeah, yeah. every day. And no one believes him because it's Jeff just being Jeff. We made sweet love last night. Sure, Jeff. Right. Yeah. By the way, where's Tiffany? Although he probably will be the first person they would go yeah, to. Yeah, they would get Tiffany to him eventually. <laughs> we apologize, Tiffany. It must yeah. be. Must be scary being you. I, yeah, and that's a, another thing which we haven't really touched on because they honestly don't. This documentary, like you said, it's not about Tiffany. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of wonder how she feels about the fact that they even did this documentary because well, well, she does appear in it, so I guess they have to communicate that to her in some yeah. way. Yeah, it'd be funny if they blurred her face out. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> they didn't get the permission. It almost seems like when it comes to Jeff, she's gotten to this place where she's been dealing with him for so long. That she's just sort of kind of made her peace with it. Yeah. And after this period of time, I guess she figures if the fucker hasn't killed me yet, he's probably not going to kill yeah. me. So she just sort of tolerates him. Tiffany, let us know your frame of mind on dealing with these people. Documenteers podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel bad because I've said some shit that probably you would think would be rude and inappropriate about you during this podcast, Tiffany. But I do want to let you know if you are listening, I am a true fan. I enjoy your music. Um, I think you're a lovely lady and uh i hate that i didn't get a chance to go to your boutique before it went out of business yeah and tiffany i probably wouldn't have went to your boutique i'm not really a fan of your music but you seem like a nice person and i don't want anything bad to happen to you i agree and i very much enjoyed uh the movie you did with debbie gibson on sci-fi channel just putting that out there and if you're still living in nashville welcome to our city she's been here for a while well we're beyond welcome to the city at this point well please stay we like you here what just happened? I, I, I don't know. It was Tiffany PSA. But what 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 just happened in their lives is they they went to the Tiffany concert, which is like this beefcake mail review where muscle dudes dance around, and then Tiffany comes out. Jeff and Kelly are there, so this is Kelly's first live Tiffany concert, and Tiffany is inviting fans to chat after the show. She doesn't say except those people but you know she's she's a nice person tiffany yeah i mean, I gotta give her props she i mean she when i said that i feel like she is she's got to be a genuinely good person like she's an incredibly tolerant person mm-hmm. to have dealt with this guy for as many years as it's been tiffany takes a photo with kelly it seemed like tiffany's inter- brief interaction with kelly is sincere on tiffany's part like oh it's another fan and she doesn't know that she, it seems like she doesn't know that she's supposed to be scared of it. Right. Yeah. I got that sense. So she may just look at Kelly like, Oh, this person is unique, maybe troubled, but like maybe in a harmless way. I mean, I'm sure Tiffany's thankful for all her fans. Yeah. Absolutely. Except Jeff. Yeah. He and a samurai sword. People can give me a katana. I would love if someone gave me a katana. Sounds dope. Yeah. So back at the hotel, Kelly's going on about how Tiffany kissed her on the cheek. And Jeff's like, that's wonderful. I'm happy for you both. But then Jeff starts going on about an experience he had with Tiffany. And Kelly gets mad. There was over 500 people there, and we were walking. Uh... Uh, excuse me, Jeff. Um, um, please don't take this the wrong way. But, uh, I mean, geez, you're, you're, you're taking words out of my mouth. All right? Because that, that was completely unfair in the discussion. But she basically is like, you're like saying everything that I'm saying. But that's Jeff. That's what he does. That's, that's Jeff. Yeah. But there is almost, I mean, I can understand how you would feel like just watching him interact with other people who are also Tiffany fans. There's this sort of one-upsmanship that seems like it comes out with him. Yeah. Where, like, they say one thing and he's like, well, I did this with her. Or she's my best friend. I don't know if it's intentional on his part. It could just be the Asperger's. 
But I, I don't know. I kind of feel like there is a sense that he's very protective of his relation, his his relationship. I'm doing air quotes, by the way, for people out there in podcast world who can't see us uh, with, with Tiffany. Um, and I think that that is sort of that comes out when he's talking at people sort of going back and forth. Like it's a match between who's got the best relationship. It's a common thing amongst nerdy circle when yeah. people are nerdy about something. There's always this one-upmanship because you know you've been picked on your whole life, so you're shitty to the people who like the right, same thing. Of course, it's the circle of life. It is where we belong. So the next morning, uh, Jeff gives Tiffany lessons to Kelly. Oh yeah, she uh, treats everyone unique and individual. But with equal love. Now, Kelly, you know what it's like when people are in the rooms with you. got a small taste. But they part ways. Kelly talks about how it felt so good when we kissed each other. You know, it's the story's evolving. It was a kiss on the cheek. Now they're kissing each other. Time passes. Months, at least. And Jeff says, in 10 years, I see myself married. But Jeff is kind of cooled it a little on Tiffany. Because he's got a new boo in his life. Mm -hmm. Because Jeff wants to marry Alyssa Milano. And I kind of get that fantasy. Who didn't want When we was all little ones back then, who's the boss was on, I was like, who is this girl? What up? You know, he at the time was in his 30s, but whatever. He describes how Alyssa Milano stars in uh, erotic art films. I love that description. (laughs) Poison Ivy 2, erotic art. (laughs) (laughs) But Jeff would choose Alyssa over Tiffany. Blasphemous? Who would you pick? Alyssa Milano or Tiffany? I, honestly, I got to go with Tiffany because that seems like there's more of a chance. I'm the guy that goes for the sure thing. That's the most, that's the more of a sure thing than Alyssa Milano, I have to say. Just because, just pure proximity. Assuming Tiffany still lives here in Nashville, I've got a better shot. Well, you know, I'd pick, I'd pick Tiffany. And Tiffany's more my type physically. Yeah, yeah. Like, so... I feel you. But I, I mean, I've always had a thing for Alyssa Milano. I mean, like, again, who didn't? Well, my, my answer is neither, because I love my wife. I love you, honey. <laughs> After uh, watching this, I went down Alyssa Milano rabbit hole on YouTube. <laughs> I did. So we all have our vices. I did not realize that Alyssa Milano has had four CDs. Oh my God. Yes. Between 1988 and like 1993, she would pretty much drop the CD a year. You can find them on YouTube. They are not great. Argon Basement, Debbie Gibson, Tiffany ish sort of CDs. Real big in Japan. I love you. Got a workout video uh, called Teens Teen Sweat or something like that, where she did the song. Oh, well, I do. Gotta let it out. Teen Gotta let it out. It was a rabbit hole that I went down. I think I, I, think I might want to. I think I might want to meet her. <laughs> do you ever feel like Alyssa Milano is communicating with you telepathically? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He's saying. Fuck you, Bobby. Well, Kelly has been getting some help from a friend named Abby. Abby Pollock. Met Kelly a year and a half ago at a doctor's office. 
this and says that Kelly's very funny. Yeah, here, I got a better idea for you. Uh, how about if I go call Fabio to come stick in your holes in your biceps to pump you off? Because I'm Hans from Hans of France. Saturday Night Live, I'm here to pump you off, yeah. <laughs> She's, she still likes Tiffany a lot, but if someone else came along, I'd be into talking to her. And Jeff apparently tossed out a lot of stuff, so he cleaned up a little bit. But he says, don't worry, Akil, because he's still committed to his friendship with Tiffany. And Kelly, we go out on Kelly saying, Tiffany has taught me to be stronger. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Now, Akil, we don't rate in stars. That's for some shitty version of I Think We're Alone Now. We're more of like the the Tommy James and the Shondells version, where it's more of a Herzog rating scale. Word. You're going to give this movie one through five Herzogs. I'm going to give this movie one through five Herzogs. And we're going to combine these Herzogs for best out of ten Herzogs. What do you give this movie, this documentary, I think we're alone now, not the Peter Dinklage movie coming, by Sean Donnelly? Uh, I got to look at this movie from three different angles. The first being... Is it just a decent documentary? Like as far as how it was shot, the actual technical aspects of the documentary? No, it is not a well done documentary. It's not. The structure isn't really there. Um, it's very much like a I got a camcorder and just sort of went guerrilla style and made this documentary sort of thing. Purely from that technical perspective, no, it's it's not well done. But it is an intriguing train wreck that you cannot look away from like these two people are so compelling and disturbing. And I, I don't, and I don't, I want to make it clear that I don't say disturbing with any sort of like, I don't even joking a lot. There's no, there's no levity. When I say that it, they are two uniquely disturbed individuals who I'm happy to see that toward the end, it seemed like they both sort of were finding their way to a little less crazy. You know, like you mentioned, he, wasn't hoarding anymore at the very least he was splitting his obsession between two people instead of focusing just on one uh kelly stopped doing drugs which i didn't even realize that she did have a drug problem we knew she drank a lot uh noticed that her new friend one of the things they have in common is they like to drink beer so i don't know how productive that friendship is going to yeah. be long term um but i i appreciate the fact that the director for the most part was completely hands-off one of the things about a lot of documentaries we've discussed before that bugs me is when the directors sort of insert themselves at every opportunity. I like when a director is very passive and is really just focusing purely on the subjects of the documentary. So that much I really appreciate it. Lastly, I'm not sure what the point of the documentary was. It was really just, I feel like the, maybe the director just sat around and heard about these people. I'm like, I can understand how they definitely would have heard about Jeff because he seems to be pretty infamous. Uh, I don't know where they would have come across Kelly, how that introduction was made, but I just feel like that they just randomly decided that these were two interesting people and we're just going to follow them around and see what happens. And I I don't know what the goal was for the documentary. Was it to inform people? Because all it did was inform me that these are there are some certifiably insane people out there that we should probably keep an eye on that may, may need to be a watch list for these folks. Um, so I don't really know with, without any direction, I feel like this, it was kind of floundering a bit because of that. I, I can't remember. Do we do halves? Yeah. We do. You we do, do quarters and halves. Do, okay. We do quarters and halves. Um, I'm going to give it, I'm kind of struggling between two um, and like two and a half. Hmm. Um, 
I'm going to go two and a quarter. There was a lot that was lacking for me as far as the actual substance of the documentary. It was really more, it was very voyeuristic, um, which made me feel kind of icky. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's always a certain amount of voyeurism that's going to be in a documentary. That's, I mean, that's part of what a documentary is, is looking into the lives of people. But um, this kind of crossed the line into more towards being exploitative. And it just, it, it left me feeling a little, a little gross. Yeah. Yeah. Especially after you came. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. We might, we might part on this very straightforward. I feel like I was appreciative of the lack of the bells and whistles the subjects that the the director had it was like you really didn't seem to need much i don't think it's like flawlessly executed in every way but as far as the point of it i don't know it's just introduced us to this darkest version of this crazy tiffany fan mad world which can connect i guess to any uh obsessed fan documentary out there and there is one more made in england i think it's called i'm your biggest fan we might get to that one before too long almost said I was charmed by this. I don't, that is not the right word because <laughs> I, I feel exactly what you're saying. Cause I, I was trying not to be creeped out, but in spite of it, I just was creeped out. One thing about this documentary is that I don't think I will ever forget this documentary. I watched it around when it first came out. There was a lot. I still remembered like the way Kelly looked and talked and the way Jeff looked and talked. Those were intact watching it again. The second time, Oh, okay. Yeah, they said that. Yeah, it was like bringing a lot of stuff back. This movie's like 10 years old. Tempted to go super high. I don't think I would go real high because it definitely has like a first documentary vibe to it. But man, I feel like out of a lot of the documentaries we talk about on the documentaries, this might be one where I'm more likely to be like, have you never seen this? You got to watch this shit. You got to watch this shit. I can see that. And I'm saying... If you've not seen it, I think we're alone now. It's on YouTube and on Amazon Prime. Listener, I think you should watch it. I'm going to give this a 3.75. Wow. You take your 2.25. I take my 3.75. That is a total of 6 out of 10. That's respectable. Herzogs. It's slightly above average. It's a very memorable movie. You will not forget it. Yeah. Yeah. We can definitely agree on that. <laughs> I kind of I kind of think of it as the, uh, the Requiem for a Dream Everyone should see it once. <laughs> yeah. Probably don't need to You're see not going to give Requiem for a Dream five Clint Howards or anything. You'll <laughs> be like, you know, it fucked me up. I'm just going to give it two and a quarter to Clint Howard. If you say five stars, that's like you're willing to watch it at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Yeah. I think the next time I would watch this movie, I want to be in a room with people who've, who've never, never seen, seen it before. It. Exactly. I'm not going to sit and watch it by myself. Yeah. Again. Yeah. That's yeah. not going to happen. We can make that happen. We should have a party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, let's say we're going to watch Pitch Perfect. But then we put the, but then we put this movie in. Oh, priceless. Well, Kill, we went pretty fucking long. That was that fucking shit show. I think we're alone now by Sean Donnelly. Have fun editing this. Oh boy. All right, folks. Keep on docking. Oh, we've kissed. Oh, yeah, we have. Yeah. No tongue. <laughs> yeah, that didn't happen. But on the mouth? Could have.
Kelly McCormick, please? Uh, uh, yes, uh, speaking. Oh, speaking? Oh, hi, Kelly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my name is, uh, is Jeff Turner, and I'm a uh, personal friend of Tiffany Renee Derwish. Oh, uh, hey, cool. Yeah. I'm gnarly, man. Huh? Okay, how old are you? I'm 31 years old. 31? Okay, yeah, I'm uh, older. Are you aware of the sport that Tiffany likes to participate in most is different forms of martial arts? No, I was not aware of that. Some of her songs really are an antidote to depression. I mean, the, there's the song called I'll Be the Girl on her second album, and you can listen to that, and you can't be depressed after that one. No offense about blonde, because I'm a natural strawberry blonde, um, but... Um, that the way you call a smart blonde. What? A golden retriever. <laughs> okay, well, and I'm now, gonna. Now, and now, now, uh, well, what's blonde and brown, blonde and brown, blonde and brown? What? Madonna doing cartwheels. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna sign off now, and okay. you, uh, you go seek out that and find that uh, those albums and the dreams never die, and you'll be okay. inspired and not depressed and. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, Excuse me, Jeff. Um, I'm, I'm not looking uh, for like a one-night stand. I want, you know, I just don't want sex with her. I want her friendship as well. We have a committed best friendship, and I will recommend you and say you're okay. And, uh, and when she, she's your, when she's your best friend, you couldn't have a better friend. ambition uh, that I could ever have just came true. That's not redundant at all. 
That's wonderful. I'm glad you said that. Because being with her is one of my, uh, it probably is one of my two or three biggest ambitions, is being with her and being and continuing our friendship that it continues to grow. She actually kissed me on the cheek as well as, I mean. One, wonderful. I'm yeah. very happy uh, for I mean, you. <laughs> words how I feel right now. I remember the first time uh, Tiffany actually reached out in front of over 500 people and kissed me on the cheek and made a point of doing it. It was in February 1989 in San Jose and there was over 500 people there and we were walking. Uh, uh, excuse me Jeff, um, um, please don't take this the wrong way but uh, I mean, jeez, you're, you're, you're taking words out of my mouth, alright, because that, that was completely unfair in the discussion. Ha, 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 ha.